Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. What's up, everybody? Welcome once again to another episode of Blockbuster Mentality. I'm your host, Ben. Before we get started, make sure you give us a five-star review on iTunes. Helps us out a lot. We'd really appreciate it. Takes you five seconds. It, uh, we've been climbing those charts, so help us to continue climbing those charts. Hope you've been enjoying the last few episodes. think you're going to be enjoying them some more because we have another great show for you today. Uh, today we have on... Actor, director, writer, playwright, John Polano, uh, who uh, just uh, released his film Small Engine Repair. It came out in September, now streaming on Amazon Prime, basically anywhere you can, uh, you know, rent or buy movies via the interwebs. Um, He not only directed the film, he wrote it, he starred in it, and also he it is based on the play he wrote uh, about it uh, and starred in with it with John Bernthal. John Bernthal is also in the movie, Shea Wiggum. Uh, definitely check it out. It's a great film. We talk about that a little, but uh, the film, uh, since we're a show that has uh, actors and people in the biz on to uh, dis- dissect their favorite films. The film we'll be discussing with John today, me and Dave, is Do the Right Thing, a Spike Lee joint. Um, and uh, yeah, we, uh, we we really get into this thing. And yeah, it's definitely, if you haven't seen it, uh, definitely check it out. Uh, I, I mean, it's been, what, 30 years? So, you know, it's time and we spoil it. So, you know, get over it. Uh, but uh, I found that even when people, you know, listen to episodes where they haven't seen the film, uh, they uh, still go and watch it and are, you know, uh, with with the perspective that, you know, we had on it and uh, they, they still enjoy it. So, um, yeah, yeah. Hope you guys enjoy the episode. This is me and Dave talking with John Polano on Do the Right Thing. What do you what do you got? Is that a is that a what pet, Petromal pizza? What's that shirt? Petromali pizza. It's my buddy's uh you know, he sent me the sweatshirt. He started this pizza business. He's a former pro boxer and I trained with him for a long time. He's got a boxing gym and he started this mobile pizza business that has like the best New York pizza in LA. Okay. And he sent me the hoodie and he's always like, Why don't you wear it? Put it on social media. So I was like, <laughs> fuck it, I'll wear it on the podcast. There nice. you go. I don't know if the, yeah, so. Yeah, that he'll he'll be our sponsor for free. <laughs> oh, yeah. on, uh, He's on a, you episode. should have him on the podcast, man. You've never met a bigger character than this guy. Yeah, send us his info. We'll we have anybody on, you know, for sure. <laughs> Come on, um, but uh, <laughs> yeah, and, and just anybody, just anybody. <laughs> it's off the street, you know. Just you know, it's Tampa. You know, you can find a bunch of weirdos here. So you know, um, but uh, 
what's the uh, what's the movie you're working on with Hulk Hogan? Oh, it's this Netflix movie. Todd Phillips is directing. It's a uh, like a biopic type really? thing about Hulk. So, are you writing? Is that what you said? Or yeah, we were deep. We're we're pretty you know pretty far along. We're we're, we're in our like notes phase. Gotcha. Um, and then um, we are obviously going to get into the movie. Uh, but yeah, we can talk about you a little bit if you want, or we can get sure. into the movie first. I mean, we're Whatever a very casual want, show. Do you want to talk guys about are the yourself, experts? John? What's that? Do you want to talk about yourself, or do you want to get into the movie? Whatever you guys want to do. <laughs> I would like to make you as uncomfortable as possible. And by the way, I, usually when we ask people about projects or things they're doing, everybody you know, in Hollywood, they always clam up. They don't want to say anything because they're like afraid the whole thing is going to get nuked if they say anything. So even that little bit you revealed, I appreciate that because people just want to know. And I don't know why everybody has to be so tight-lipped about everything. So you know, Well, the, I, I mean, you know, it, they're... The, I think in this day and age where, and, and I saw it sort of happen in my lifetime with that ain't it cool news and stuff where, you know, just there's such a propagation of uh, blogs and social media and everything that the word can spread so fast. And, yeah. and, you know, man, I think it's always with the Hulk Hogan thing. Like I can't, you know, you sign so much stuff. You don't want to be the asshole who <laughs> blows up a movie because you said something dumb. Right. right. <laughs> So, so, so do we need to edit that out or? No, I mean, okay. it's, it's well known that I'm working on it, but okay. um, yeah, I'm not, I can't do like a plot point thing or anything. You know, people are always asking for that. And I'm like, I'm not going to be the guy who spoils that. It's not like Hulk Hogan. I think of, of everything I've ever worked on. That's the one that's probably most scrutinized. Um, most other stuff, you know, like most movies, it's just better to, to work on them sort of in private. And then have people like pleasantly surprised when they came out, you know? Yeah. Um, and if you got like the superhero shit or the yeah. Star Wars, then obviously that's like there's a rabid fan base. But like the truth of the matter is, is you, no matter what you do or say, the, there's part of the fan base is going to be pissed. Oh, yeah. So like who wants to deal with that? When you say superhero shit, is that are you placing yourself in the Martin Scorsese camp or was that just a, a flip? No, I mean, look, I watch those movies. I, I enjoy them quite a bit, but I think that they're, you know, there there's like uh you know it's like opening it's like knowing what you got for present for christmas there's like a, there's there's sort of a uh joyful toy-like quality to them it's not yeah. like they're not deep movies you know what i mean but you watch them to see what the plot point is and all that but exactly uh, yeah and you know, yeah like, plus with you know the whole marvel thing it's cool that everything's interconnected and you know i you know sometimes it is just you know it's it's filth and it's just like you know vomit well, it's, on it's like it's just, <laughs> yeah man it's it's pop culture and it's cool yeah. like i read comic books as i was a kid and i get the same joy out of the movies as i did the comic books which sometimes you're like this is kind of ridiculous like right <laughs> you know what i mean it's almost like porn like you know what's gonna happen yeah. but um <laughs> but it's still super enjoyable you know and, and a lot of those characters you kind of grow up with and you see them and it's like you know the endless debates yeah Definitely. Kind of <laughs> now, uh, as Dave was kind of alluding to, what uh, so like John Bernthal is he a total dick? <laughs> Huge asshole. Yeah. Uh, you know, man, he is. He just he's one of those guys that like he's he's uh, you know he's the real deal. Like when you meet him, he he everybody loves him. You know, yeah. Some people sometimes think he's ridiculous, but everyone loves him. He's so sincere and so hardworking, and like you know. He's one of those few people I've met where, like, if you're hanging out with him, you like he he knows how to focus on somebody and they can feel real important, like they're the only person in the room and stuff. Uh -huh. and 
but yeah, he's a real generous, good, good, really good stand-up guy. Yeah, because I mean, he plays such you know intense characters a lot of times, and yeah, it's just like usually guys who are like that are typically nice guys in real life. Where you know you got some guys who play like nice guys all the time, and when you find out they're a dick, it's just like oh, really? <laughs> he knows on. how. Uh, yeah. I think he knows how fortunate he is, you know, to be doing what he does, and he's a very grateful human yeah. being. And, uh, you know, if, if you're cool with him and upfront with him, he's just great. I mean, look, I've seen him lose his temper and, you know, get pissed, but he's like, you know, just if you're, if you're stand up and you're honest and you're cool with him, which not everyone is in this industry, but then, you know, you gotta, you get a friend for life. Well, that might, we might as well talk about that a little bit, this uh, small engine repair. That's why I brought John Bernthal up for those of you who don't know. Uh, he, uh, stars and you also do in the movie you directed and wrote, uh, how did, uh, how did this film come about? How long were you writing it? Like what, uh, what can you tell us about this film? Sure. Oh, well, thanks for, uh, watching it. Appreciate it. Uh, so John and I <clears throat> did it. I, I started out my career as a playwright <laughs> and, Small Engine Repair was a play. It was a 70-minute one-act play mm-hmm. that was done late night at my theater company in 2011. That's how I met John. He was in the cast, as was I. It was a four-hander, and we did it at 10.30 at night after the other play, uh, Sunset Limited by Cormac McCarthy, had a sort of dilapidated apartment set. You know, it was a two-hander. And then when they vacated the theater, we put a bunch of our shit out on the, on the stage and, and use their lighting schematic and their soundboard and everything. And we just ran our play. Uh, and, and it was like late night. So you were expected to be edgier and have some hooks to it and unfiltered. So I had written quite a few plays at that point, but this is the first time I wrote something where I was like, I'm not going to hold back. I'm going to make it really like thought provoking, edgy, uh, graphic and, and vulgar and everything because who shows up at a theater at 1030 at night? They're pretty adventurous. And most of right. them have been thinking. And so you want to create something that's really gripping and, and works on multiple levels. So that's how that material originated. And it was a huge hit and it transferred multiple times. It's been done all over the world at this point. I did it again in New York City. And then John and I were always like, hey, this would be so great. A lot of the themes that, that the play dealt with became more and more relevant. So two things, just on a practical level. <laughs> Small Edge Repair, the play, is primarily one location. It's all one location. It's all right. one scene. But when you make an independent film, it's primarily one location. It's it's easier. You know what I mean? Like, you're yeah. not... every t- You know how it is. Every time you move a set, it's money, it's time. So right. it was baked in that concept that it would be like a good independent movie that's actor-driven and, you know, can make a splash because it's edgy and it really has something to say. But the themes, especially with the Me Too movement, a lot of the themes that the play dissected became even more relevant, social media and all the dangers of that. And a lot of the, you know, the concepts of people like guys like me and, and even grew up in certain neighborhoods starting to like really look at what masculinity means and is in, in this modern world. So we were just like, we got to make a movie. And I, and I, you know, I was working on other studio jobs and other shit. And then, I was just sort of writing. I, I had I, I've adapted books, so it was interesting to adapt my own play. And I had to sort of crack it open, treat it as if someone else wrote the play, but really take take what worked in the play and, and see how it translated cinematically within a, a feasible way. You know, sure. there's no car chases. You can only you know you got to keep it contained still. 
and have it character driven and actor driven. So yeah. So then we had a runway with John's schedule and we got Shay and then we cast, you know, Sierra and everybody else. And it was like, we're off to the races. And yeah. It just, that, it's going to click. The, uh, that, that's, that's someone who I feel needs to be more of a household name is Shay. Is it Wiggum? Is that how you pronounce Shay it? Wiggum, yeah. Yeah. He, everything he's in, man, he just, he blows me away. He's, he's again, needs to be, out there more and people people need i don't know to how see, you can yeah. get out there more than shay i mean like he's right. in everything. <laughs> yeah. i'm watching movies all the time and i'm like oh shit shay's in america <laughs> right. and there he is but yeah I, I think that the surprising thing with shay that that i certainly saw was you know he, he plays a lot of heavies and he has a lot of supporting parts but to get him out front playing like a lead character really seeing the sort of humanity and the humor and the sort of poignancy that he brought to that role i i thought was really cool because you know, audiences have seen him in so much stuff. They've just never seen him quite like this. Right. Yeah. What are your challenges uh, directing the action on a stage versus when you're behind the camera? What, what, what's the difference there for you? What's, you know, high, high, low points for each maybe. Well, you know, man, the, the whole apparatus of this movie was designed from the beginning for me to be like, look, I'm going to direct and I'm going to be in it. And, and I knew I rehearsed extensively, uh, prior to shooting. So I, I was really trying to create a system that was like a, a performance delivery system. And the DP I worked with, Matt Mitchell and everything, worked way ahead of time. So there were no surprises. We knew the look, we knew the shots, we knew. But it was never going to be something that, like the camera didn't lead the story. The actors did, the characters did. And the characters are always a little bit ahead. So just had to nail the performances and get incredible actors who listened and create the life in it. And then once we were there shooting, obviously there's decisions to be made, there's stuff to know, but I had such confidence in the actors inhabiting those roles and living it. And we had a roadmap with this script, you know, a battle-tested story that worked on stage that, and that I knew there would be no surprises. And, and, and I mean, it was scary as shit. It was really <laughs> sometimes to be hard. Sometimes it's, sometimes it was easier to be in front of the camera than it was to be behind it. Because when you're in the moment, it's really fun and you're so vibrantly alive and you can't think of anything else. Yeah. Um, and then I would go behind the camera and just do some other stuff, which I love too. But I was always like, gosh, it was like, you know, if you're there and sitting in the bathwater, it's like sometimes easier. <laughs> I don't, I don't know if I've, spoken to a director who's also been in the movie like but probably a silly question but do you does the director decide that it's not a good take or do you take advice from others like eh, let's try that again like how well, does that work when that, that's a really great question and and, and it take it took you know a couple of days to really get a, a a pattern i mean the first the first few days i was like i'm not i don't want to be on camera I just shot pickups and little things. I shot, you know, the, the scene between Sueno and his sisters was the first days and, you know, some exteriors with Shay on the bike and stuff like that, just to kind of get that rhythm. But, you know, it, look, it's a really good question. If, if you have a bigger budget or a different style of this, after every take, you could get up out of your scene and walk over to Video Village and watch it on video. But that would fuck with the sort of, I'm sorry, can I say fuck yeah. in this? Oh yeah, I can say anything you want. <laughs> I figured as much, but you never, I've been actually gotten in trouble on a few things. Uh, so you, you, you fuck with the, with the rhythm, bless you, the rhythm of, Thank you. you know, the, the, uh, the, cause if you're always pausing and stopping and by the way, in the time it took to walk over to that monitor and watch that take, you could have just shot another thing. 
So I always knew what I wanted to do. And I had to trust my DP that to make it look good and look cool shot, not documentary style, but in enough of like, this is real life. Did you get it? Or did you not? Did you capture it? And it's mm-hmm. not about the pristine uh, framing of the image and all that stuff. Although that was, you know, crucial in some cases, mm-hmm. but the composition of it, we kind of talked about ahead of time. It was just like, make it feel real. And then, and then I knew when I had what I needed story-wise, but I really relied on these actors. They had a ton of, uh, <clears throat> you know, ability to, to uh, say, Hey, I want to try it again. I want to try it this way. Yeah. I, I know you got what you wanted to, but can, look, can I just do another one? Sure. Right. If, as long as we had time to within reason, but then you let them do that. And you know, I mean, look, sometimes they're right. Sometimes they're not. But if you give someone the agency to do that, they're complicit in the whole thing. You know, I, as an actor, I, I've always, you know, sometimes you just feel like a piece of the machinery and you're just there and, you know, to some stuff. And then you watch the finished result and you're like, Oh, that's cool. But that's not what this movie was. I wanted the actors to really feel like they, they had that, that control yeah. and that investment. And, and it really paid off because we didn't have a ton of money or, you know, time, but we had a lot and in the performances in this movie are as good as, you know, anything you would get on any budget level in the sense of giving them that casting well and getting that, that opportunity. Yeah. But still, I mean, honestly, dude, the truth of the matter is sometimes I'd be like, all right, we got it. And I'm like, I don't, I don't know. I hope <laughs> like, I don't know if it could be better than that, but that's good. That's where, that's where trust comes in. You know? Well, you just, you know, man, I mean, that's one skill you do develop in theaters is, you know, you know, when it feels truthful. Right. Yeah, I'm sure. You know, yeah, or when it feels fake. And as long right. as it felt truthful, there's no wrong way to do it if it's truthful and if it's if it's inhabited in an authentic, truthful way. Yeah, as long as the actors are not lying, it's, right. it, it's usable. And then, then your edit, when you work with a great editor, you you know, you link the story that you want to tell by through this. But someone like Shay, who's fucking brilliant because that guy is such a pro, he's like, he gives you eight different flavors. Let me try it with this way. So you may have that. And John Bernthal is just very intense and always real. And John doesn't like to do like a chunk of it. He wants to do the scene again because uh-huh. he wants to build up to that moment. He doesn't want to just be like, let me give you that line, that line, that line. You know, that's not how yeah. he works. So, you know, but by the end of that, especially the core guys, the three guys, um, we just had such a banter and a rapport that it was always something going on. Right. And in the edit room, maybe that's not what you want. And you have to go over here and here, but it's always something. Yeah, definitely. Well, yeah, because I mean, when you're on stage, I mean, you gotta, you, you can't do it again. Like, there's no second takes when you're on stage. Right. So yeah, you just gotta play it truthfully, and yeah, that's uh, you gotta go yeah, through. There's no, there's no second take on that, and then you gotta do it again the next day. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. You, can, you can't make can it. Tell. <laughs> What's that? When you're, when you're watching a movie or uh, just a bad TV show or something, you can tell when it's not true and when they're not into it. When they are just retaking a line or something, and so. You know, when you get, yeah. to, I, I guess a movie's never really done until you know the budget runs out or <laughs> we're done shooting or something because you could always go back and change things. But you can but, tell. You know, it's funny, man. It's weird, but like when I smoke weed, for some reason, that IQ factor of uh-huh. being round out bullshit when I'm watching something, it's like amplified. I don't know what it is about. <laughs> it's, it's like this. When is I'm, I mean, like I usually can do it, but when I'm smoking weed, <laughs> you know, I'm watching. I'm like, wow, I can. Maybe it's just because I'm high, but like I'm like I can tell when that actor or whatever is just has something else going on, and it's usually like some bullshit. Like they want to look good, or or they're doing. They just don't know what's going on. You know what I mean? So so John was high for the entire production yeah. of Small Engine Repair. <laughs> <laughs> John Bernthal you, probably was, but not. Really. Have you have you ever um, seen? Uh, you don't have to name names, but seen actors who just 
perform better when they're high or you know i've never not like so i'll tell you a funny story is you know we did this this play right and it was this late night thing and we were deep into the run and we were like huge success and we had a show just for our friends it was invite only it was like a late like we had one matinee or for this which is like this is not the material you want to see at one in the afternoon but we had like a saturday at 11 o'clock performance we filled it there was like 100 people in the audience and just friends who people had known at this point the play had become like the it show in la and i've been running and bernthal was leaving soon to do walking dead and we did a a substance specific performance every shot every beer every smoke and all the weed all of it was just real Nice. Just to see what would happen. It was a shit show. I mean, we got through it, but like, it was like everyone was fucked up. I couldn't, I didn't smoke weed because I wouldn't even remember my lines, but like, I was pretty drunk. Yeah. And then there's like a fight at the end, and I remember having to stop, and I was like, and like everyone was just dying laughing and stuff because it was, uh, you know, man, a lot of actors, you'll, you'll talk about the stories that like if there's drinking involved in the scene, whether it's a play or a movie, a lot of times they'll be like, yeah, we did a, we did an, a, a rehearsal drunk, and it's a shit show. It's so antithetical to, yeah. to, to what it is, but it's still fun. And maybe you can discover some shit, but mostly right. that's well, how we get through this show, Ben. Yeah, that is true. <laughs> that is how we get through it. And I didn't know yet that this uh, went all the way back to when he was on walking dead. That's uh that's, this goes way back. <laughs> yeah, man. He, so he, he was in between walking dead season one and two. I, okay. And you know, he did an he did like maybe the second or third reading of the play. And he came up to us and he's like, man, I really want to do this. And I was like, dude, you're doing this TV show. You really want to do this like non-paying, like late night, small theater thing. And he's like, hell yeah. So the, the funny thing is, is he was in trouble because he had gotten uh, into like an altercation with a guy and he was in a lawsuit because he had like knocked this guy out and tried to steal his dog oh, God. and just thought he was some bum. And then the guy, <laughs> then he saw him like in a poster and he's like, wait, I'm going to fucking sue that guy. Uh, so yeah. John was dealing with all that shit. He couldn't leave LA. He's like, what am I going to do? And then it was like kismet. You know what I mean? That's like the, the thing came up. So, so we got lucky in that. And then, you know, walking, walking dead one was obviously a hit, but it took a while to really crescendo yeah. walking dead Two, his star really, really rose. So it was really like, you know, I've known the guy, I've been close friends with him since then. And he hasn't had that kind of time since that moment. So we, yeah. really, he got it's... him in a low spot. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's true. Lucky, Man. lucky us. Good timing, good timing. But uh, but yeah, I mean, obviously we. Uh, so yeah, you can you can check out Small Engine Repair. I know it's on Prime Video. Um, where else is that? Is is it on everywhere? I think it's kind of anywhere that you yeah. can buy it. It seems like overwhelmingly people go to Amazon Prime. I, yeah, for whatever reason, that's. I mean, that's where I buy most of my movies. Some people, yeah, like old people, but theoretically, it's on all of the like buying type platforms. Any, all the buying stuff, guys. Um, yeah. But uh, but yeah, we like to have on you know filmmakers, actors, <laughs> critics to to come on and, and talk about a movie that perhaps inspired them, one of their favorite movies. And you chose uh, 1989 Spike Lee film, Do the Right Thing. Um, yes. m- it might be someone's first choice of doing a Spike Lee movie for us. Perhaps I think so. I think so. Which is yeah, great. Uh, so first of all, why why did you choose uh, choose this movie? Uh, look, I mean, I, I I love the movie, um, obviously, but more importantly, I feel like the sort of the what I remember so m- most about that is how it made me feel when I saw it and the complexity mm-hmm. of emotions that 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 it brought to me. You know, I'm Italian, and I remember being like Danny Aiello's character reminded me so much. Yeah, there you go. So much of my dad, 
And I didn't grow up in a particularly diverse area. And it was like really, to me, what art should do, which is like put you in someone else's shoes. And I loved how the Mookie character that, that uh, you know, Spike plays is not an angel. He's a complicated guy. And it yeah. showed these everybody. It, it just showed race relations in a way that I don't think I ever would have had dramatized to me. And yeah. th- that, and then like just on a, on a specific level. Oh, I think we lost John. The, the music, you know, I was way into public of that, the humor, the heart, the, the terror and the complexity of it. I mean, I would say there's a direct line between do the right thing and small engine repair and the sense of feeling emboldened to create a very morally complicated and ambiguous ending. So if do the right thing had buttoned itself up mm-hmm. and, and Mookie had hugged him at the end and they made it work, I would have probably felt better in the moment, but it wouldn't have stood the test of time and longevity and caused me to rewatch it and, and really see how that movie affected me as I aged in different parts of my life. And certainly as I lived in more urban areas and like met more diversity than I was growing up around. And I was like, I want to create something like that, 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 that is resonant maybe to the detriment of people wanting it to be a quote unquote movie, but to have that provocative, you know, sizzle to it. So that, yeah. that very much uh, uh, started with that experience. I'm sure. Yeah. And you, you bring up how, yeah, Mookie is such a, you know, he's, he himself is a complicated character. You know, you might think of him as the protagonist in this film, but really there, I don't think there is a protagonist antagonist. Like everyone has their shows, Everyone have some sort of prejudice. Everyone mm-hmm. have some sort of, you know, uh, flaw, but also good qualities as well. You know, it's uh, it, <laughs> there's a lot of depth uh, to all these characters. And, yeah, the way the, the Spike Lee decided to tell the story was very unique, especially for 1989. You yeah. know, I'm, I, I can even see, you know, uh, Tarantino getting influences even from this oh, movie definitely. alone. Yeah. This mm-hmm. is- <laughs> John, I'd like to raise something with you because this came up a few episodes ago with white men can't jump. And it's something we feel like we keep saying uh, episode, when this comes up in different episodes, which is this movie couldn't be made today. Um, particularly when there are important movies that really do speak to the things you, you mentioned and why you picked this movie. What do you just think of that idea when people say that? And what does that mean about, you know, film and our, and our and the state of our, our culture? Well, I mean, that's not an easy answer, but I, I would say this. It's fucking hard to make anything. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's hard to make anything. Um, you know, can you make, you can make it. You know, I mean, look, I made Small and Repair. I made a movie that to me is deeply thematic in a, in, in a deeply progressive in terms of its ideas, but it uses language and situations that oh, you're not supposed to use. Mm-hmm. But I made it. You know what I mean? Is it, you know, is it showing on 3000 theaters? No, but for that budget level. And when you take a swing like that, it's just not going to happen. Now there's the question is, is like would the market support something like do the right thing now would, would distributors or whatever, take a chance like that. I mean, yeah. I don't know, but I think spike would have made it anyway. I, I, I think you can make it. It's just, how will it get out there? Now, look, yeah. you can make a movie like we did for a small amount of money. That's edgy as fuck. And like, you know, people who love that movie fucking love it and they get it. And then some people are like, whoa, I'm triggered. You can't say that. Uh, it upsets me. And you're like, that's fair. That's but, great. There's nothing wrong with that. No, no. Right. Well, first of all, to back up a little bit, I come from theater, which is provocative, which is like your intent 
is to challenge the audience as much as the culture. Like when the lights go down in a, in a play, a specific, specifically the kind of plays that I always like to write, you're, you're going to be, you should feel squeamish. You should feel complicit. You should feel fucking something and not just leave and be like, wow, I feel so much. I feel really proud of myself for seeing this. You know what I mean? <laughs> That's like, do the right thing. You don't sit there and it's not like an easy story. It challenges you no matter what color you are and where you're from. So you leave that and you're like, wow, that's art, you know? And it causes discussions and all this other stuff. It's not a passive experience, but um, yeah, look, I think, unfortunately, I think the people who ultimately pay the money and make decisions are much more risk aversive than they were in the past. I yeah. think social media has created a really unfortunate echo chamber of maybe a small amount of people having an opinion, which again, like when you make shit, you want people to have a strong opinion. You know what I mean? You want yeah. them. To. Yeah. Yeah. You want somebody, you want to serve somebody a meal and they're like, holy fuck, a tear rolls down. Like this is the best food I've ever had. Or to take yeah. and be like, oh my God, what is that? Like, that's cool. I'll yeah. take that as opposed to being like, yeah, it was pretty good. Everything else was closed. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. When something sticks in your mind, you get your gears churning. I mean, that's, that's almost the thing that to me, that's a movie. Um, you know, we mentioned the superhero stuff. They are good for what they are, but you don't like, I mean, at least I don't sit and think about, you know, Spider-Man's whatever, whatever problem he overcame, you know, but something like a uh, recent movie was doomed. That one just kind of stuck in my head. This movie is in my head because at, at the end, which we'll certainly get to, it's kind of really, you're kind of left with almost nothing <laughs> sort of some possible options for the future it's not really clear what exactly happened who's to blame who's not to blame and that's just kind of shitty life and uh but it, it did enough to and it's interesting because you know this film certainly has a point of view we all know spike lee has a very strong point of view but he plays the movie very fair I think. Uh, to, yeah, I mean, I, I think he is, you have to be an active participant in watching this, that, that do the right thing. I think that's the takeaway. And I think it asks really hard questions. And really hard questions do not have an answer you can solve in necessarily an hour and 40 minutes or whatever. Yeah. You can create an experience of that. But look, the hard thing in the social media age is that you cannot please everybody. No. You just can't. <laughs> I've had to remove myself from so much of that because like, I'm sensitive. Like, I don't want to willingly upset people or whatever, but especially earlier on, it's like, I had to get off Twitter basically because people be like, I love peanut butter. And I'd be like, what the fuck you Nazi? You like peanut butter? (laughs) So, so I get it. You hate black people or whatever. You know what I mean? No, that's not what I'm saying. Or conversely, you know what I mean? Like the extremes, you're just like, holy shit. It's just people arguing. You know what, man, I guess tell you what I think social media is. Remember that movie, uh, that Mel Gibson movie, What Women Want. Man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I remember how you could like read women's mind. At first he's like, this is cool. But then it became a curse. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's what social media is. You're like, wow, we communicate. But now it's like, I don't want to know every fucking thought you have. Well, well and uh, it's uh, too, John, you saying Mel Gibson, I think just triggered people. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, it's, <laughs> but it's, that's but look, where we are By today. the way, I'm not one to say that, like, look, it's complicated to me. Look, you have consequence. Right. I think no, that there's I, a difference. There's a huge difference to me in the art you create. I was just busting you, balls, by the way. No, no, I totally. But yeah. look, dude, I think it's an important thing. I think it's a very important thing. Yeah. There's a huge difference between the art you create. Yeah. And, 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 and who you are as a human being. And I mean, I noticed this. I had this problem since I was a kid. I mean, I started writing like graphic Stephen King-esque horror stories when I was, you know, in junior high or high school. Oops, I lost your buddy. Yeah. I don't know what happened. 
It's okay. all right. I, I'm still here. Just, we don't need to see Ben. See go, ahead. Go, go ahead. He's just so handsome. I like staring at his eyes. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I agree. That's why I just got to sit here. Sorry, it's mesmerizing. So, like, I remember early on as people would, you'd create a character who would do something reprehensible or weird or whatever, and they'd yeah. be like, I can't believe you think. And I'm like, I have so little interest in creating art that regurgitates my own point of view. Like, right. if I had if I had myself in something it'd be kind of boring. You know what I mean? Like I don't, but you want to create extremes of it. So it's just dangerous when you judge someone's art as trying to be some sort of propagandist viewpoint of that. So I think that's bullshit. That yes. being said, I think everyone's entitled to their opinions on things. You know what I mean? And, and I think, look, some people are going to react one way. Some people are going to react that other way. You just got to put it out and see what happens. I think the hard part is, if you're trying to create art that everyone loves, which to some extent, maybe those Marvel movies are. So when you want everyone to like it, but by the way, they don't, because isn't there someone mad at like Spider-Man's costume and shit, no matter what. Oh, you totally. It's not accurate. Whatever. Some, he said some line that's not, that doesn't, uh, you know, conform to the canon. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I always try to look at like the, the, the loudest critical voices out there are typically people who are upset about something else and, and they're not, necessarily creating or, or or productive in their own lives and then they're fixating on these other things well i do think we have we have stared too deep into the abyss and and even me i admit i am a twitter addict but it does kind of make you a little bit schizophrenic when you just <laughs> you know you read uh, you know especially popular news stuff and you know there's like you know, half the replies are one way half the replies are the other and you kind of get into the you're like how can Almost, how can these people be so different and be so sure of their opinion? Oh, exactly. And I mean, and the truth is, is they're not. And to me, that's so antithetical to art. I mean, look, the the nature of drama is conflict. And what is conflict is two people at least complete disagreeing with something and having different reasons for those disagreements. And like, if you have two people like that, I, I, like it's impossible for me to create conflict without having some sort of thematic uh uh material that's going to be offensive to somebody at some point i mean it's just and it's so hard to do to create shit that i just have to take that equation out and be like look in in my soul i know that i want and i love people although i i don't maybe people as general disappoint me a lot but as an individual person (laughs) in love and like like to me i i lean towards the side of that but like, I like my shit to be rough and complicated and draw blood. And I think, you know, to the point to go back to Spike Lee is he created all of those characters are flawed. And I don't, yeah. I don't use flawed as like a, a pejorative thing. I mean, flawed as in that's what people are. Yeah. yeah, they're complicated. And even John Turturro's character who says awful things, but he's also like you kind of get him, and he's clear and he makes sense. And he, he, he says what he wants to say to, to Mookie. When Mookie's like, yeah, but a lot of black people, your favorite, you know, uh, musicians and yeah. athletes, they're black. <laughs> That's a profound moment to me as a viewer. But if the movie ties it up and John Tatar character is like, you know what? You opened my mind. You're right. You know what that does? And this was the DNA in the, con- in the, in the construction of Small Engine Repair was if the characters have that, then I don't. Yeah. Because it's raw and ragged, I have to figure it out. Oh, my God, you didn't spoon feed it to me. You didn't tell me, Mookie. Because, look, I mean, think about it. There's, like, you could have a real dialogue about why did Mookie throw that trash can through that glass? Did he do it to prevent a riot, to save him? Did he do it out of anger? There's a number of reasons. What do you you think? 
<laughs> I mean, it's different. I just watched it recently, knowing we were going to talk about it and loved it all over again. And I, I love felt... that because sometimes people don't watch the movie that they pick. Just real quick. Oh, really? <laughs> so thank you. Yes. <laughs> I didn't want to look like an idiot. I was like, I don't want to. <laughs> 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 um, but uh, I feel like I feel like he probably did it to prevent the to, to turn the crowd's anger away from from Sal. That, yeah, that's how I read it. But I do think it's more complicated than that. Yeah, it's it's not it's not black and white. I don't think he's like fuck this guy. I've been waiting to do this. Right. You know, because no, then he shows up that. and he's like, "Where's my money? Where's my money?" He's not like you know. Again, it's like audiences. Look, you gotta give, they. You can't give the audience what they want. You gotta give them something. At least to me, like I like to be like a trickster, a little more devilish if I can be, <laughs> and subvert it. And and that's what that whole movie is about: subversion, like all this stuff, and and you know these colorful, beautiful characters that you just love, and they're like real. I mean, look, Mookie is like a shitty dad, right? Like yeah, adorable yeah. little son he has. He's barely around ever. He's just barely there. But like that's real, and it's like not trying to, it's not trying to sugarcoat it or like. There's a saying that I forgot where I read it in some book. They're like the collective IQ of the audience. As soon as the lights go down, the IQ goes up. And a lot of stuff that I find so pandering, which I mean, like, I really wish I could speak off the record and talk about some movies, but like, I never know when to work in that sort of space with those people. But like some things that are so infantizing (laughs) and simplifying because they think, oh, this is what you want to hear. I see it a lot to your point. And what's happening right now is there's, you know, in this, virtue signaling moment to create you know positive minority characters which look i'm all for representation but you have to treat those characters with the same laws of drama that you would anyone so it doesn't yes, mean otherwise they're he, just a shell of something else make them real right they're representative of something else and again i look at do the right thing as a, as the, the the sort of you know the, the 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 gem of that which is those characters are all fucked up and flawed and yeah. everyone but by the way he didn't make Saul and his sons a bunch of cartoon characters who were like the right. bad white guys they weren't they were deeply nope. and they had and even that beautiful moment with you know Mookie's sister where Sal goes in and it's it's borderline is it kind of creepy or is he just playing nice like he's enamored by her she gets what it is and it's kind of a beautiful moment he's like don't fucking t- talk to my sister that way <laughs> who's right none of them it's almost yeah there's there's a lot of moral amb- ambigu- ambu- oh, ambiguity 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 i hear what you're saying thank you no let him uh, let him sink <laughs> he, he yeah he loves when i when i just try to get the word out <laughs> There's a lot of that, what that uh, saying I just said in this film, uh, which I think is, is is great. You know, it's a you know like uh, you know Game of Thrones has always been praised for that, and it's just like you know each character has their moment. It's like of being you know oh they're kind of a dick or you know and then being the moment of oh they're definitely a good guy. You know, it's that right. It's you know the, it's funny, that being man, human. I, I... I sort of working in theater, I sort of developed that muscle on a very, for a very practical reason. And when I started writing plays initially, I was in a theater company and comprised of friends and people I knew from my uh, drama uh, conservatory. And I was like, I'm writing a play and I'm giving so-and-so a role. And one, they're going to work for free on my play. Two, they're going to like carry, you know, uh, lighting lights and, and props and all this shit. Like their role has to be meaty enough or they're going to be like, go fuck yourself. I'm not working. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like you're not paying them. So it's going to have that, but that's actually a good muscle to have because like ideally in a story, you're not filled with just peripheral characters with one 
main character. It's like ideally everyone's in their own their own story. Now I'm yeah. not saying somebody with two lines has to have a whole backstory, but like ideally they're they came from somewhere, they're going somewhere, they have a point of view, and they have all that. You know what I mean? And yeah. I think almost every character in this movie, even those minor ones, you get a sense of of all of that to to that point, John. I, I feel like you know the guys yeah. out uh, outside just sitting in the in the lawn chairs having their little conversations, and this movie's kind of just like a series of vignettes, but you know it's happening in one neighborhood, so it all does kind of come together, and you get a sense of the place. But everybody is so real in this and it's amazing looking back at like wow i know that actor i know that actor yeah that actor i know that actor (laughs) no and and you know to your point i i think and again this is something else i cribbed is like he spends a lot of time laying out the masonry work the foundation for for what will happen when when things take a very swift turn yeah it's a slow burn but if he didn't take the time to hang out with these characters and to be like i'm kind of part of this neighborhood you know, if, yeah. if it just like a, like a, a a lesser writer director would have jumped in and you know splashed it in the second scene, there's a yeah. cop shooting somebody or whatever. Yeah, because um, it's a little lighthearted at first. You know, you get that you know comedy, which is it, what and... it's like to be in that neighborhood. You know what I mean? Right. Like yeah. there's tension and it's getting hotter and the heat is getting hotter. But <laughs> everyone loves each other. They're all being cool. But he's like, hey man, you gotta put up pictures. And he's like, you're gentrifying. Like it's stewing up. It's building. It's building. It's building. And then and then it bursts. Yeah. But if you watch that movie again and you know where it goes, you'll see those breadcrumbs are, are laying out throughout. And it's it's brilliant in that sense. You know? Yeah, definitely. And and. I love how the backdrop is basically sales pizzeria in this movie. I mean, that's that's the backdrop is this Italian pizzeria that has conflict within that family, but then there's conflict coming from the community, but also there's love coming from the community. Like it's like this, you know, back and forth, you know, type of thing, which I think is just well, they masterful. all they all have their they're not just sitting, you know, there's never. There's never two characters in on the screen at the same time in that movie that are agreeing with each other. No. They're always they're always yeah. at each other. And it's just yeah. hilarious. By the way, like that's how my household I grew up in, and that's why it's easy <laughs> to write dialogue is like you answer a question with another question. Like, where are you going out tonight? Well, I don't know, what's for dinner? You know what I mean? You're gonna yeah. wear those pants? Is that how you doing your hair? Like it's just boom, 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 boom. So it's not ever just like relaxed and that and that and that's what he has. Yeah. You know, that sense of constant like it's yeah, but it's so good. I mean, look, dude, it's 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 interesting, I think, to for me, at least, again, growing up where I did and not being really surrounded by a very uh, racially diverse area in New Hampshire was until I moved to New York City. But and it wasn't by any means that I understood things. I couldn't meet a, you know, some random black person and be like, I get your struggle. But a movie like that and seeking out material like that with an open heart and an open mind, that's the power of art and of movies and of is making you live in that skin and feeling like a, just a kinship. Yeah. And there's no other way to do that. There's no, there's not nearly any other effective way of doing that. It has to be done so skillfully as he did, you know? I was thinking, you know, the, just to go back maybe to this, just a Sal's Pizzeria thing. The movie is in such conflict with itself. And by the way, Danny Aiello, holy crap, the guy's like like jumping into my, off the screen and into my couch. He's yeah, so right? amazing in this movie. <laughs> but it's like, Danny Aiello, his kids, like you said, Ben, his kids are like, no, we gotta we gotta get out of this neighborhood. He's like, no, I've been here for 25 years. I, you know, these the, some, some are good, some are bad, whatever. This is our place. Mm-hmm. I'm not going anywhere. This is my whole yeah. life. 
You've got the people in the neighborhood who you got the one character, the Giancarlo Esposito character, trying to organize a, bu- a boycott, and the rest of the neighborhood's like, no, he's got good pizza. We all come here. Yeah, we grew up on that pizza. Yeah, yeah. no, no, man. It, and look, I think. I think the you know a lesser filmmaker or more like pedantic storytelling would make Sal's Pizzeria like just a completely black, bad gentrifying thing, you know. And yeah. and it's showing that. Which, by the way, man, I lived in an all black neighborhood with my family for you know almost six years, and and Spike was right. It's like this is not a community that is like, hey, fuck you, you're white, leave, like a shitty movie would do. It's like, yeah. can you be a cool neighbor, you know? Right. And and if you can, cool, we're we're fine. But it's like if you start wanting to impose your thing because that's at south pizzeria is there but like where though where the heat of the day is creating that racial friction it's not like prevent it's like the 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 places where they're butting up against each other and and they rub each other raw and it's pretty much the movie is saying it's the places that we are like immobile that we're we're inflexible where you know fucking hey man hang put a picture of malcolm x up there you know yeah, Dude, I be like, be cool. Be like, I'm not going to die on this hill. Maybe I don't <laughs> yeah, immediately right. see your point. Put that up and then maintain peace. It's like we all got to live together. We all got to do that. Yeah, and, and it's like no, what, it's my store. We're not putting it up in my store because I'm Sal. That's it. Well, and but that's like, it. And his, and his inflexibility led to yeah. led to that or or started yeah. that. And the same with you know Radio Raheem is like I'm not going to lower my music. Well, they all like. Sal has a point. Like, look, dude, I'm selling food here, man. You can't have this music so fucking loud. <laughs> yeah, right? But he doesn't have to slam yeah. the thing. And it's just because it builds because nobody is bending. But, like, you know, right. they're all... Yeah, it, yeah, it's a, yeah, it turns into a domino effect and everything. Well, yeah, and that's, you can... that's good writing because if you come from... If your character has come from a point that is 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 understandable yeah. and and maybe you wouldn't do that. But as an audience member, it's clear to you their motivation... That's great. And then what Spike did is he created all of these clear motivations and, and put them together in this thing yeah. and showed the hypocrisy and the, and the beauty of those. I mean, look, man, I'm get so excited talking about it. I just rewatching it. I was like, but to your point, man, it's, it is a little bit sad because you're like, fuck. I mean, I'm not, I wouldn't go so far as to say they couldn't make that movie today, but like it was, it came out when it should have come out and it yeah. came out for people were having the conversations they're having now it predates that so much and it shows you how bold how much of a like an m80 thrown in the middle of a room that that movie was yeah absolutely and uh yeah yeah because i mean you 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 look at you know that whole situation it's like <laughs> one on one token you're you know uh thinking sell you know yeah definitely i don't blame him for smashing that uh radio but that, that at the same time it's just like all right let me de-escalate the situation <laughs> to say okay i'll put a picture up l- 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 just get out of my, get out of the store whatever i'll put a picture up like <laughs> well and then when the you're piece. not seeing it and what i think that you know look it, someone uh, a you know black person who has a much different experience would be like walk into that sal's they're already frustrated right other stuff and then you know i again i think this is time and time again what what is to me i look i'm not gonna i'm not gonna pull punches i feel really gut punched in the way the country feels right now in terms of the division and so much of that i think lies in our inability to humanize each other and like really just like look at someone else's perspective yeah and and be able to live like they did in that neighborhood without completely agreeing on everything, but they lived. Now they all agreed on one thing is that they loved the neighborhood and they were there. That's all. And then they respected each other until their own sort of needs 
uh, were more important than respecting one another. And that's sure. when shit hit the fan. Yeah. That's a great point. And I, I again, Spike Lee, amazing job. Yeah. Showing. No, I mean, and even the way he, the, 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 the camera moves in that, the music, just the energy of it. Yeah. You know, uh, so fucking good, man. So good. What about the first five minutes of Rosie? Just, just a. First five minutes of the movie is Rosie Perez dancing. It's basically a music video. What did we think of that? I thought it was well, great. I, you know, man. I, in revisiting it, I knew she did it, but I forgot yeah. it was how long it was. I, I, I loved it. It was gorgeous. I was like, it was very theatrical. I thought it was fucking awesome. I know. First time I saw it, I was like, take it or leave it. Although I love the song, I was like, when's the movie starting? But now I'm like, that's it's genius. The uh, the style is very experimental, right, John? Uh, I would say. Oh yeah, that? no. I, I I think he. You know, I think. He is, he is a student. Like I, I see Spike doing some things that, as a director, I'm like, okay, that's my, that's the, that's part of my evolution going forward. Which is, yeah. he paints in the in the in a cinematic brush, so he has all the things. Like, you know, I had advice uh, from a director as I was gearing up for this, and you know, I worked as an actor and a writer on many movies, but my first time directing, and this director had said to me, uh, he's like, you just don't know what kind of director you're going to be. Once you do that, you can build everything around. So I feel Small Engine Repair showed me, okay, that's the kind of director I am. And then I see someone like Spike Lee, how they take like his strengths and he builds on them, you know? And and what it was to me is like, okay, doing what I know is in my comfort zone, the characters, the the, the naturalism, the reality of that. But then how do I go then in my next thing, make it a little more cinematic to take some of the of the cinematic choices that Spike did. Now you have more money and you have that stuff, but yeah. to just tell something with a camera move in a moment that is, you're just, it's just joyous. And it, 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 it I don't know if you, my, my whole fear of that as, as an artist, to be quite frank, is a lot of times I'm like, if you don't do it right, it takes you out. <laughs> yeah. Right. And there were yeah. two or three whack, cra- like crazier shots I did in small engine repair in the movie. I had to cut them out because they just, fought against the naturalism of the piece right so then it would be like well how do you integrate them and how yeah do you there's a difference you gotta yeah kind of yeah. balance between do i want to be stylistic here is it going to move forward the story or is it just being stylistic for well how was it in service system? of it and that's how spike really struck a balance in that of yeah. all the style is really servicing the story and the themes in a really right way that i'm like you know in revisiting it it really it really kind of inspired me and There's it, real authorship. You yeah, know, this isn't just some other movie by someone, any anyone. You know, you're like, not yeah, anybody could have done that. Not like Spike somebody Lee, else right? taking yeah. the script and doing it. Yes, they couldn't Definitely. have done it. And and there's like elements of Scorsese there, or you know Truffaut, yeah. or whatever. You know, any number of uh, directors that Spike Lee has like been inspired by. But then he creates his signature look. Speaking you know. of uh, Scorsese, how about Frank Vincent in this? <laughs> oh, I know, right? Uh, <laughs> what are you guys doing? They, this Cadillac, an oh my God, that's hilarious. <laughs> it's an antique. You gotta just turn around, Frank. This is nothing good for you in that street. <laughs> I know, right? How, much, how great is Frank Vincent? Uh, <laughs> I know, it's hilarious. But there were so many of those like New York actors yeah. that were in that movie. You know uh, what I mean? Like, uh, And then the next year, him and Samuel Jackson were in Goodfellas and... Oh, is that right? Yeah, they were both in in, uh, Goodfellas. So, you know, it's I I read an interview about from uh, Spike Lee talking about he was like acting in that scene with John Turturro, you know, the scene about, you know, the black athlete scene. And and he was like, Spike's like, I'm not really an actor. He's like, I'm a storyteller, I'm a director, but he's like, John Turturro is an actor. 
Yeah. And how intimidated he was in that. And he's like, how easy he made. Sorry, my dog's getting nice. Hi, puppy. It's okay. <laughs> I love dogs here. What's the matter with you? <laughs> and and he was like so complimentary and, and like, God, this guy is such a great actor. I love being in that scene with him. And it was like, that's the key also to Spike Lee, because we know Spike Lee as like the, uh, you know, the, the social justice guy yeah. and the filmmaker and this. But you're like, the guy loves art. And he yeah. loves actors. So he sees John Turturro and he's like, this guy's a great actor. doesn't matter yeah. that he's Italian or he's white or whatever. Like we're all pushing the boulder up the hill in, yeah. in the same direction. And again, not, not, not that a black filmmaker can't work with anything, but I'm just saying in this moment of being so uh, sort of obsessed with identity and things, it's cool to see Spike be like <clears throat> kind of scared to work with John Turturro as an actor. I thought that was really endearing to have yeah. read that. Yeah. Um, and then a couple of quick things. I, J- John Savage is in this for like two seconds from uh, know, Deer right? Hunter oh, fame. Really? The, oh, I missed that. He's a, uh, yeah. He's, he's a guy Celtics jersey. Yeah. And the Larry Oh, that Burgess. was him? Oh, I didn't even recognize him. Yeah. <laughs> he's in it for like two seconds. <laughs> the Larry Bird. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Amazing. And then uh, Rick uh, ALO is uh, Danny's son. He plays the cop that okay. uh, kills uh radio or that's uh, radio crazy Rahim. that big that giant dude is his son huh yeah i just uh found that out looking at imdb so <laughs> okay, there you go folks job. i'm lear- I'm learning things as we go and then uh kind of you know wrapping this up here what what are your thoughts on mother sister and demare what, what what do you think they represent in this film um you know I, I, it's interesting i i what they represent like i mean i think that they were sort of from a different era, obviously, probably yeah. representative of the elders that Spike grew up with and how they're transitioning to it. And and sort of how, to me, I watched that and I was like, well, that's the older generation who, who learned how to live in the system. Mother sister was like, fuck this system, I'm cynical. <laughs> and the right. mayor was like, you know, like the court jester, right? <clears throat> and, and getting through, yeah. both kind of broken. And then all of the chaos of this new world and the riots, by the way, they had lived through riots in their Yeah, that's true. And yeah. here we are again. And and I just got them as more of like sort of the, the, the black history of it, you know, and, yeah. and, and they lived through it and it didn't go away. And they've seen that neighborhood start up and do what it is. And they've been like uh bear bore witness to all of that. And I, yeah. I thought that they're again, complicated, wise characters who were, you know, bringing in this other era to both see how little things have changed as yeah. a commentary and, and how that danger is always, always evident for them. And well, I mean, and how- really what, what brings that community together is the death of Radio Raheem, where it strikes such a nerve with them. Right. Like, you know, years of all this trauma coming back and including, you know, those characters who were. Well, like, and and then j- just how sad it is to now be, you know, the generation in 1989, seeing it happen now in 2020, 2021, like the things that are still going on. It's just like, man, like, well, and, and <laughs> you know, look, man, I, I know some of Spike's more recent movies have been, in my opinion, a little heavy handed and telegraphing the, the sort of, you know, that message. But, you 100%. know, in, in the perfection of do the right thing, it just kind of laid it out. And, and at by the way, we wouldn't be having this conversation if it wasn't like a brilliantly done movie. Oh, yeah. Yes. So that's the hard thing is like, you know, in, in the theater world, it happens a lot and it happens in films too, is that the productions end up being primarily about theme 
and then second and third it's about you know plot and characters and sure you know to me that's not going to sustain itself it's it's just not it's it's you know it's rhetoric yeah. it's not it's not creating a dramatized version of something so exquisitely well, done oh yeah 100% and in the, in the end of the movie is if things weren't ambiguous enough or conflicting enough throughout all the characters and everything they said and did on both sides we're, we're left with two somewhat conflicting quotes <laughs> one yeah. from Martin Luther King and one from Malcolm X and so we're just left with <laughs> and as Ben said you're here reflecting upon a movie made 30 years ago and you know we're all I mean we're, we're, we're just here <laughs> but but you think about how much more resonant those quotes are because you have seen and lived through the experience of those characters. Like you could put that quote on anything. Like you could put that quotes at the end of a shitty movie and they're still good quotes, but because of the journey we're on, he offers these two different viewpoints and you're like, wow. Like if you know, it'd be interesting like if you've never seen that movie and then you see it like have someone read those quotes. What do they think? Watch the movie and read those quotes. And I think yeah. that's like the beauty of that, that sort of journey that that movie brings you on is you read those <laughs> yeah. two and you're like, wow. Yeah. I see how that's applicable, but more importantly, there's no easy answer for this. No. It, yeah. the, the only real answer there is the movies requiring you to be an active participant in these discussions. You're a yeah. human being, you're an American, white, black, whatever. This is an American problem. And it's like, we all have to engage in it. And it's like, be there. We can live in harmony and love one another, but like, yeah. it's going to take some effort. It's not a passive activity. No. Yeah. That's yep. what's great ab- yeah. about Spike Lee in his early career. It's like, you know, I'm, I'm presenting you the facts. You can, you know, what this means to you is that what it means to you? Like, I, I'm not specifically saying what I'm meaning by all this. I'm just laying this out for you you know it's, well, and i always uh, think that's a better way to go you know and, yeah, and i know like absolutely. scorsese who's another one of my favorite uh, filmmakers which i could easily have done like goodfellas but that's yeah <laughs> should have been done a million times yeah <laughs> but scorsese like it's very clear that goodfellas is not an endorsement for organized crime or crime or anything like that it, just as i think that you know wolf of wall street is is a dissection of greed but that doesn't mean the characters can't be dynamic and the moments can't be funny and thrilling and complicated and all that stuff because by the way that's why you you watch it and you do that so i just don't buy that i think that's the horse shit of like you have to spoon feed an audience you know that oh he's (laughs) the bad guy okay because that lets you off the hook man exactly watch it it's like my kid who's six when he watches everything he watches he's like which is the bad guy who's is he the bad guy <laughs> you know, because that at that age they need to know it. But you know, when you're in a nuanced real cinema, you don't necessarily need to know it. You see, yeah. you see, son. There's this thing called moral ambiguity. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, but uh, and then just one last thing I had. Uh, just uh, uh, for me, I feel like uh, I'm glad Sal and Mookie had their last moment. But I think it would have been more powerful to just end it right when Smiley put the picture on the wall, end it there. But I, I get why he had those final scenes. Too, yeah, it's but. interesting. I mean, you never know because uh, it certainly feels like the end of the movie there, and the rest, right. is like, uh, you know, structurally, it's 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 a resolution in every you know sense sure. of the word. It's it's like it's the, the movie's done. But it took like, a lot of balls to ask for your paycheck, uh, Mookie. No, <laughs> but I, to me that 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 fed into his thematic point, which is like, hey, life still has to go on. Yeah, that's we all going to show up the next day and sort through the ashes. And yeah. Well, and, and it shows his character by just, you know, 
he gave him 500 and he said, no, I get 250 here. I owe you 50. I mean, he still ends up taking the money, but he, <laughs> he, uh, he you know, he, but he had that uh, idea. Well, because like, they're, like, they're, no. they're, the, those characters are their, they're the characters first and then they are their, their ethnicities and then they are all these other things. But at that Absolutely. moment, it's like they're the characters. And yes, I think that's the point. Life goes on. And I don't know, man, you bust my window. I would have done what Danny Ayal do early in the movie. Well, that's like twice. <laughs> oh my God. That's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> I got it, son. I got it. <laughs> but you know, you can repair a window. Radio Raheem's never coming back. And it's like, yeah, but at the same time, you're like, if you really look at it, the movie's not saying that Sal directly caused his death, but it was Sal not maybe understand. You know, it was it was just complicated, yeah. man. And yeah, that's the truth. That's the fucking yeah. truth, man. It's complicated. Domino effect, and yeah, just uh, yeah, it's uh, the nature of the beast. But uh, no, I'm so glad you chose this film. It's uh, powerful. It's it still resonates today. And uh, any any final thoughts, guys, that you wanted to mention? No, just just echo Ben. Great choice, John. Great meeting you. Cool. Good meeting you too, guys. Yep. Um, and uh, so I, I know you're off social media. It seems like, dude, is there <laughs> like, a I'm way people can find everybody? <laughs> yeah. Is there a way people can find you, follow you, or any I mean, of that? I not really. I have. I'm on Instagram. <laughs> I you can find me on Instagram. Okay. But like, I mean, you know. <laughs> Just find me. Whatever. Just watch my movie. Yeah, just watch the fucking movie. That's the thing. You want to just watch the movie? Like, I mean, isn't it true though? To some extent, like I know that's a game, but like, now you gonna fucking know everything about everybody? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I, I used to love that shit because when I was in theater and it was like low budget theater, I could use Facebook or Twitter or whatever to get the word out. Sell tickets. Right. Okay, yeah. I, this thing's happening tonight. Come on. Yeah. That's but how like, we, that's why I use Twitter for this podcast to, to say, like, hey. if, if, if I'm the reason that you're, you know, if, if my social media is the thing that's going to get people to go to the movies, it's like, we're fucked. <laughs> we're screwed. You got someone like Bernthal who has like 7 million followers. Like when he oh, posts man. the trailer, people see it, but like, you know, yeah. I don't know. You want to come, come find me on Instagram? Just look at pictures of my kids and my dogs. Yeah, yeah. sounds good. I hear you. <laughs> well, John, it's been a, a pleasure. I uh, hope people uh, go see Small Engine Repair or yep. watch it at, at, the ple- at the leisure of their own home now. So it's a uh, pandemic. There you go. So, you know, yeah, exactly. I didn't do it. <laughs> Thanks so much for coming on, John. All right, guys. Thank you. Appreciate it. Have a good day. Well, there you have it, folks. Another episode in the books. Had a great time talking with John. Great guy. And uh, definitely check out Small Engine Repair if you haven't done so already. Again, uh, you can follow us on Twitter at BlockbusterCast, Instagram at Blockbuster Mentality. Go to our website, BlockbusterMentality.com. That's uh, all the places you can get updates on the show when new episodes come out and all that fun. Check out our YouTube channel as well. We try to put on up episodes on there as well. We're more successful audio version, but hey, we, we try with YouTube. We're... I need to promote it more, but, you know, so much time in a day. But that is it for me, folks. For Dave and John, I'm Ben, and as always, grab some popcorn, grab some snacks. We'll catch you guys at the movies. Movies.